Our passage this morning comes from Proverbs 10, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 32. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. What wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. Thank you, Mackenzie. Well, this morning we are continuing our sermon series in the book Proverbs, and we come to Proverbs chapter 10, and chapter 10 is a huge major turning point um, in the book of Proverbs. So if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been, really the last few months, we've been in the introduction section of the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9, and that's the, the introduction really to the Proverbs that we're going to get into here starting in chapter 10, that Remember over the last few months in, in chapters 1 through 9, Solomon the father has been exhorting his son about the importance of wisdom. This is all chapters 1 through 9. 
the importance of wisdom, the value of wisdom, the benefits of wisdom, exhorting him to follow the path of wisdom and not to follow the path of of folly. And so as we come to chapter 10 this morning then, we're going to begin the actual Proverbs. And these Proverbs are going to start in chapter 10, verse 1, and go all the way through to chapter 31, verse 9. And these are the problems, the problems, hopefully they're not, they might be some problems along the way, but these are the Proverbs then that give the wisdom that Solomon has been emphasizing and talking about the, the value and importance of this wisdom in chapters 1 through 9. He gives the, the importance of wisdom, chapters 1 through 9, and then the Proverbs are the, are the Proverbs by which he gives the wisdom that he um, emphasized in the first nine chapters. And so all of this leads to this question. It's the number one question that I've received since we began this series in the book of Proverbs. And the question is this. It's the question about how in the world are we going to go, go about preaching these Proverbs? Like, are we just going to start chapter 10, verse 1, and just go one by one by one by one, all the way through chapter 31, verse 9, is the, the last pro- proverb proper that, that's given, and um, 17 years later, uh, then be done with, with the, the Proverbs. And so, I mean, that's definitely one way to do it. Um, and we considered it, you know. Um, but that is, that is not what we're going to do. Instead, what we're going to do is just take a chapter a week. And then whoever's preaching that week is just going to hone in on really the key Proverbs within that chapter. The key Proverbs that, that really communicate the major themes or theme within that, within that chapter, and going to kind of hone in on those specific Proverbs for that particular week. And so then when it comes to chapter 10 here this morning, you'll notice that the overarching primary theme of chapter 10 is this contrast. And it's this contrast between those who are righteous and those who are wicked. And you see this contrast over and over again throughout these first 30, or the first, um, 32 verses here, in chapter 10, right? In chapter, or in verse 2 here, it says that treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. So that contrast there between those who are righteous, those who are wicked. Verse 3, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Again, that, the contrast there. Verse 6, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 7, the memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. And that contrast continues over and over again throughout these, these 32 verses here. 18 verses, 18 proverbs within these 32 verses specifically contrast the righteous and the wicked. Other verses within these 32 verses contrast the, the wise person and the fool. And, and the wise person is the righteous person, and the foolish person is the wicked person. So there's, there's over 20 plus Proverbs within these 32 Proverbs within chapter 10 that are making that contrast. The wise, righteous person, how he lives compared to the foolish, um, um, unrighteous person, wicked person, and how they live. But if you dig deeper in this chapter when it comes to this contrast between these two groups, the righteous and the wicked, you'll notice that the main contrast that Solomon focuses on in this chapter between these two groups 
the main contrast that he highlights is how each group speaks. The mouth, the words, how each group talks. You'll notice that over and over again, we're going to see within this chapter, the righteous, they talk like this. The wicked, they talk like this. And so that, that's going to be the primary theme that we see over and over again throughout chapter 10 here. We're going to see these, these six different contrasts between how the righteous talk and speak and how the wicked talk and speak. And this is kind of relevant, right? Like, we talk a lot. Like, I, I read earlier this week, I didn't really know how to confirm this or didn't try to confirm this, but I read earlier this week that the average person talks, communicates, says 10 to 20,000 words a day. Like, that didn't even include, like, what you do with your thumbs and your fingers of text messages and emails and, and um, posting messages and social media and, and all of that. But that, that's a, we, we talk a lot, right? But not only that, think about this. Like, words, we don't just talk and, and say a lot of words each and every day, but, but words are powerful, right? Words are powerful. Think, think about the words like, I love you. I hate you. I want nothing to do with you. You're awful. I'm so proud of you. Like words are powerful. They, they leave scars. They destroy people. They uplift people. I mean, there are words that you heard probably going all the way back to your childhood that you, you, still, you still replay in your head. There are words from a month ago that somebody said to you that, that hurt that you still replay in your head. There are words that, that a parent or a teacher or a coach or a pastor said five years ago that, that encouraged you that you still replay in your head. Like words are, words are powerful. But not just that, like words, we don't just say a lot of words. Words aren't just powerful, but thirdly, like words are really hard to control. Right? Words are really hard to control. Our mouths are really hard to control. Like how many of you, please don't raise your hand, but how many of you have said things that you look back on, man, you just regret? You, you say things, you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back. Maybe as a parent, you're just angry and frustrated and you just let loose on, on one of your kids and you said some things, you're like, oh, why did I say that? Or with your spouse, you're just a sarcastic comment, a belittling comment, and you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back. Or maybe with your roommate, or maybe with a friend, or maybe with a coworker, said something to them that you're like, oh, that wasn't kind. That's not what I intended. That's not what I meant. And so words are powerful. Words are hard to control. And we talk, we, we say a whole lot of them each and every day. And because of that, like, we need wisdom. We need God's wisdom in terms of how to use our mouths. We need God's wisdom in terms of how to use our lips. We need God's wisdom in terms of how to communicate and how to, how to, how to speak to others so that we don't use these powerful words that God has given us to destroy people, but we use these words that God has given us to give life to people. 
And that's what we're going to see not only here in chapter 10 this morning, we're going to see this theme repeated over and over and over again throughout the rest of the book of, of Proverbs. And so let's begin here by looking at these six contrasts between those who, between how the wicked talk and, and how the righteous talk. And if you see on your handout there, kind of the, the first heading there says how to read Proverbs, we're skipping that, okay? Just put an X through that. Um, we'll get to that some other week. Um, if, we, if we got into that, we would, wouldn't get out to like 2 o'clock this afternoon. Okay, so, so the last minute adjustment, skipping that, we're jumping straight into these contrasts between how those who are wicked talk and those who are, how those who are righteous talk. And the first contrast is this. It's that the words of the wicked are violent while the words of the righteous are a fountain of life. And the first proverb that we see this contrast being made is in verse 6. Look there with me. Solomon says this. He says, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And so there's some dispute among translations when it comes to how best to translate that second line there in verse 6. That's why if you have an ESV, there's a footnote at the end of the second line of of verse 6 there. It's footnote number 3. And if you follow that footnote all the way down to the very bottom of the page, footnote number three says, or, meaning here's another way to translate these words, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So that's another way to translate that second line of verse six, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And most most commentators believe that is is probably the the best translation here. And so see see the contrast then that's being made here in verse 6, right? Blessings are on the head of the righteous. So then in that day, you would bestow a blessing on somebody by placing your hand upon their head and, and bestowing a blessing upon them. So blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Meaning that the words that come out of the mouth of the wicked are filled with violence. They're full of violence, meaning, meaning their, their words are combative. Their words are, are harsh. Their words are mean and hostile and oppressive and abusive. Their words trample over people. Their words run over people. If you look down at verse 11 then, Solomon mentions this violent speech once again. Look at verse 11. He says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but here it comes again, The mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Or again, that could be translated as, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked, just like we saw in verse 6. So then again, this is how those who are wicked speak and talk. Their their words are filled with with violence. They're, They're combative, they're harsh, they trample over people. In contrast to that, in verse 11 it says, the mouth of the righteous though is what? I love this imagery, is a fountain of life. Is a fountain of life. Think about that imagery there, that just like a fountain spews out water that that gives life to people, especially in that day, who drink it, so the mouth of the righteous spew out words that give life to people who listen to them. Meaning their words are are life-giving. Their their words give life to people. Meaning they're, they're... they speak words of, they spew out words of wisdom. They, they spew out words of righteousness. Remember the path of wisdom and of righteousness leads to life. 
And so that's how a person whose mouth is a fountain of life speaks. They speak words of God's wisdom. They speak words of God's righteousness that leads people to to life. And so these these life-giving words might include anything from words of encouragement that build up and encourage people to words of correction for those who are wandering from the path of wisdom that leads to life. And so just think about that imagery there, right? And the contrast that's being made there. How would people, how would other people describe which of these categories you fit into? Would they say that your words, think about that. What would your spouse say? What would your kids say? What would your coworkers say? What would others say? Would they say that your words are violent? They're harsh, combative, so they incite violence? Or would they say that your words are life-giving? Your words are a fountain of life. They encourage, they, they speak of God's wisdom, they speak of God's righteousness, and they lead people, they lead people to life. How would people characterize your speech in which category that you fit into? Second contrast then between how the righteous speak and the wicked speak is this. The wicked talk a lot while the righteous restrain their lips and humbly receive, correct, uh, humbly receive instruction, excuse me. We see this three different times emphasized within this chapter here. And the first time we see it emphasized is in verse 8. Look with me at verse 8. Solomon says, The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. That those words there, babbling fool, can literally be translated as full of lips, the full of lips. So the, most scholars believe this is a reference to a person whose lips won't stop moving. And they just, they just babble, they're full of lips, and they just babble, they, babble, babble, babble. They, can't, they can't stop talking. And so this is important. See the contrast then that's being made here in verse 8. The wise of heart receive commandments. I mean, they receive instruction, they receive wisdom. In contrast, though, the babbling fool will come to ruin. And so do you know why he'll come to ruin? Because he's so busy talking and talking about himself and sharing his thoughts and sharing his opinion that he doesn't take the time to listen to instruction. He doesn't take time to listen to the wisdom of others because he's just yapping so much. And so he's a fool and he's going to come to ruin. Look down at verse 10 then. We see this babbling fool again. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool, again, will come to ruin. And so winking, winking the eye here, we see it all throughout Proverbs, that it's this, usually most scholars would believe it's a reference to this secret sign that someone would give to another person that they were conspiring with to do something evil. Like if I winked at Xander... You know, and at that point in time, I wanted Xander to like to do something evil, which I'm not going to have him do. Uh, then it would be like, okay, Xander, now, now's the time. So I winked the eye, and he, he has at it. Anyway, sorry, Nikki. Um, the second line here, um, though, in contrast, look at the second line, verse 8. And a babbling fool, though, will come to ruin. And so that's, that's the contrast there. 
or it's not the contrast, it's talking about, excuse me, the, the, the trouble that they're, that they're involved in and the, the, what results uh, comes from the babbling fool. Look at verse 19, though. We see this once again more clearly for why this babbling fool will come to ruin in verse 19. He says, when words are many, in other words, when someone's babbling, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And so just think about this, right? That, that makes sense. Like this is basic math. The more words you say, the higher percentage you have of sinning. Right? The more words you say, the higher percentage you have of saying something you shouldn't say. That's just basic math. The more words you say, the more opportunity you have, the higher percentage you have of gossiping, of slandering, of lying, of complaining, of belittling someone else. Which means then that, that, that we need to learn how to restrain our lips. We need to learn how to not talk as much. Like that's a sign of someone who's wise. That's a sign of someone who's prudent. Wise people aren't babbling fools. Instead, wise people restrain their lips. And so that again, let's evaluate ourselves. What would people say about you? Like, would they say that you talk too much? Would they say that you just share your opinion all the time and just share your ideas all the time? You don't listen to others. You don't listen to the wisdom of others. You don't listen to the instruction of others because you, all you're doing is hearing the sound of your own voice because you don't stop long enough to listen. Or if you do find yourself being one of these who, who babble a lot and, and talk a lot and have a hard time restraining your lips, then a good question to ask would be, why? Why, why is that so hard? Or another good question would be, what are, what are you talking about? Like, why is it so difficult to restrain your lips? Is it, is it pride? Is it selfishness? Is it a desire to be heard? All good questions to think through. Third contrast between the, how those who are righteous and those who are wicked speak. The, wike, the wicked, excuse me, lie and slander others while the righteous do not. The wicked lie and slander others while the righteous do not. This is what we see in verse 18 here. Look there. Solomon says, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. And so at first glance here in verse 18, it seems to be saying, verse 18 seems to be saying that if we hate someone and don't tell them that we hate them, then we have lying lips. And so you better go around and tell, if you hate somebody, you better tell them. Because if you're not, you're a liar. So is that what verse 18 is saying? And some of you are like, I hope so. This is going to be awesome. You know what I mean? No, that's not what verse 18 is saying. Instead, what verse 18 is saying is this. It's saying that a person who has hatred concealed in their heart, so hatred hidden in their heart, if you have hatred in your heart, then you're going to lie to people. That's the connection. That, that's the connection here. In other words, if you really love people, then you'll tell them the truth. But if you hate people and don't care about people, then you'll hide the, truth from, hide the truth from them 
and you'll lie to them. That's the connection there. The second line then says in verse 18 that whoever utters slander is a fool. In other words, fools slander other people. That's how fools talk. Fools slander other people. And so what's slander? Well, slander is communicating something about someone to someone else that isn't true, that's false, that's not, that's not accurate. See, it's you sharing false information about someone else to someone that harms that person's reputation and colors and skews that person's view of, of the person that you're talking about. And here's the thing, like this is huge, especially when it comes to social media. Like it's amazing how many posts on social media are nothing more than slander. Like we can call it and water it down, it's slander. And so like please, before you post anything, before you retweet anything about somebody, like make sure that what you're posting and retweeting or tweeting or messaging on Facebook or whatever, Instagram, whatever it is, right? Make sure that it's true. Because if it's not, what you're doing is coloring somebody in a wrong light and everybody else who reads that is going to think that it's true when it's not true and you're slandering that person. And it's not just social media. It's, this is easy to do in just our normal, everyday conversation. It, it, this is especially rampant in the culture in which we live right now. Like, it's easy to hear something about someone and pass that along to others. And in doing so, color that person in a negative light. When what you passed along wasn't the full truth. It wasn't the full story. It was completely, it was taken out of context. It was slanted a certain way. It was spinned a certain way. And so when that other person hears that though, they don't know all that and they just think that person's an awful jerk. Why? Because you slandered them. And it's got to stop because it's rampant all over the place. And that's how fools talk. That's not how wise, righteous people talk. That's how wicked fools speak. They lie and they slander others. Which then leads to the fourth con contrast between how the wicked talk and the righteous talk. The words of the wicked are worthless, while the words of the righteous are extremely valuable. That's what Solomon goes on to say a couple verses down in verse 20. Look there with me. He says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. It's choice silver. Like it's a pile of gold. It's extremely valuable. But the heart of the wicked is of little worth. In the Old Testament, we've talked about this before, but the heart is a reference to the whole person. It's, it's not just a reference to somebody's emotions or affections. The heart is a reference to somebody's mind, their will, their, their emotions. In other words, the heart is a reference to somebody's character. And that's the contrast that's being made here. The character of the wicked, it's not worth much. 
It, it has little value. While the tongue, the, the mouth of the righteous is extremely valuable. And like, like, just think about that for a minute. Don't just read through verse 20 here. Think about that. The, the lips of the righteous are choice silver. They're, they're, the lips of the, the righteous are, are extremely valuable. So think about that, right? You, you might think that you don't possess anything that's really valuable, that's worth much, right? Like you look at your car and you're like, man, my car's a piece of trash, you know? You look at your apartment or your house and you're like, it's not worth much. Check your bank account, you're like, man, five bucks, I, that's, 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 that's not much. So it's easy to think, man, I'm just, I'm just poor. I, 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 I don't have anything that's of value. I don't have anything, anything that's worth. That's a lie. You have something that's of extreme value and worth. Your lips, your, your mouth, and they're valuable. And they have extreme worth because of what they speak. They speak words of wisdom. They're a fountain of life. They speak the truth. They speak words of righteousness. They speak the gospel message. They speak praises to God. They speak the promises of the gospel. Like you possess, I don't care how poor you feel like you are, you possess something of great value and worth, your mouth. And think again about how powerful your mouth is and what it can do and what it can accomplish and do in a person's life. It's priceless. Fifth contrast is this. The words of the righteous nourish others while the wicked die for lack of sense. We see this in the very next verse, in verse 21 there. Look there with me. He says, Solomon says, the lips of the righteous feed many, or feed man, but fools die for lack of sense. So again, see, see the contrast there. The lips of the righteous are able to feed others. And that word feed has the idea of shepherd, to nourish, to means even to pastor others. So it, your, your lips, or lips of the righteous, are, are nourishing others. They're enriching others. They're edifying others. They're, they're giving life to others. They're building up others they're in all these different ways. While fools, though, they lack sense. Fools lack wisdom. And as a result, they're not a, even able to feed themselves. They're not able to even nourish themselves. And because of that, they die. They die. Which then leads to the sixth and final contrast here, which is this. The words of the righteous are wise and acceptable to the Lord, while the words of the wicked are perverse. The words of the righteous are wise and acceptable to the Lord, while the words of the wicked are perverse. This is the point Solomon makes in the very, the final two Proverbs here in verses 31 and 32. Look there with me. He says, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, here it comes again, what is perverse. So then in both of those verses, the mouth of the wicked is described the same way, right? It's described as being perverse. 
That word perverse means it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable in God's sight. It's, it goes against God's will. It goes against God's desire. In contrast to the wicked, though, he says, the lips of the righteous, though, speak words that are acceptable in the eyes of God. And the reason that they're acceptable in the eyes of God is because verse 31 says that they bring forth wisdom, meaning they're acceptable in the eyes of God or in the sight of God because they speak the wisdom of God. Or words, their words, they align with the wisdom of God. This is what Solomon said in verse 31. He says they bring forth, bring forth wisdom. It's the point Solomon also makes if you look up um, in verse 13. He talks about this as well in verse 13. He says, on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. So once again, we see that those who who are, are wise, their lips bring forth wisdom. They have understanding. They're, they're righteous. They're wise. And so their lips speak words of wisdom that align themselves with God's wisdom. While fools here, they lack sense and they're not wise. They don't live according to God's wisdom. And therefore, they're punished and disciplined with a rod. And we'll talk more about this rod when we get to a certain chapter in Proverbs and talk about parenting but that's a whole nother issue. So right there, right? Put all this together. Six contrast between how those who are righteous speak and those who are wicked speak. Put all that together, right? The righteous restrain their lips. They don't slander. They don't lie. Their words are a fountain of life that feed and nourish others. They bring forth wisdom and their lips are acceptable in the sight of God. Those who are wicked, though, they babble, they can't quit talking, they can't restrain their lips, they lie, they slander, their words are filled with violence, their lips are perverse, and their lips are unacceptable in God's sight. And so here's the million-dollar question. What do we learn from all that? What, 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 do we, what do we take away from all that? Well, in light of these contrasts that we've seen in, in chapter 10, between how the righteous talk and the wicked talk. There, there are three main truths that we can take away from what we've seen here and these contrasts within chapter 10. And here, 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 here are those three main truths. The first main truth is this. Our words reveal who we are. Like our words reveal who we are. That's what we saw over and over again in these contrasts, right? The righteous, if you're righteous, that's who you are, you speak like this. The wicked, if that's who you are, then you speak like this. And so our words then reveal who we are. Our words reveal which of these groups we belong to, whether we're righteous or whether we're wicked. And Jesus says the same exact thing, right? Luke chapter 6, just write down Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. Jesus told the Pharisees this. He said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. Now here it comes. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, this is really important. Our words just don't appear out of nowhere, right? Instead, there, there's a direct correlation 
between what's in our heart and what comes out of our mouth. That just like apple trees produce apples and just like cherry trees produce cherries, so wicked words come from a wicked heart and righteous words come from a righteous heart. In other words, our words are like an x-ray machine. They reveal and expose the reality and the condition of our hearts. And so what that means then is, is that if you lash out in anger at someone, if you slander someone, if you tell a little white lie, if you grumble and complain, then the reason that you say those things isn't because you're tired. The reason you say those things isn't because you didn't get enough sleep. The reason you say those things isn't because your coworker's annoying. The reason you say those things isn't because you're frustrated because your kids are being frustrating. The reason that you say those things is because your heart's wicked. That's the reason you say those things. And so then think about this, right? Think about the words you've spoken this week. At home, at work, on, on text messages, social media, emails. And think about all the words you've spoken this week. What have those words revealed and exposed about your heart? Because that's where every single word that you've spoken this week has come from. And every message that you have typed out this week has come from. They've come from your heart. Which then leads to truth number two. And truth number two is this. If we want to change our words then, we have to first change who we are. Or another way to say it, we have to first change our hearts. And again, this, this makes sense, right? If the righteous speak these types of words, and the wicked speak these types of words, then the only way to change our words is to change who we are. The only way to change our words is to change our hearts. But here's the kicker in all this. This is the exact opposite of what we normally try and do. <laughs> This is the exact opposite of what we normally think. Like usually when we go through a chapter like this, chapter 10, and we read all these Proverbs about the tongue and the words that we speak, then we get really convicted, and so we, we try and pull up our bootstraps, and we try really hard to change our speech by changing our speech. That's our, that's our strategy. And so we try really hard, okay, I'm not going to talk so much this week. I'm going to restrain my lips. Okay, I'm not going to be as harsh with my kids this week or angry with my kids this week. I'm, I'm going to do that. Okay, I'm going, to stop, I'm going to stop telling these little white lies this week. Okay, I'm going to try really hard for my words this week to be a fountain of life to others. I mean, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And so we try and change our speech by changing our speech. But listen, that ain't going to work. It's just not going to work. Like that might last for a few weeks at the most, or a few days or a few hours, but that approach won't lead to lasting change. And the reason it won't lead to lasting change is because your heart and who you are 
never changed. And if your heart and who you are never changed, then your words won't ever ultimately change either. And so the only way to ultimately change your words is to change who you are, is to change your heart. Or another way to say it is, you have to change the root if you're going to change the fruit. Like when you try and change the fruit without first changing the root, all that is, all that leads to a short-term behavioral modification, but not true, ultimate, lasting heart change. Or as a biblical counselor and pastor by the name of Paul Tripp likes to call it, he calls it apple nailing. Apple nailing. Kind of illustration he gives is, imagine you had an apple tree that produced rotten apples. Then the, way that you, then the way that you would try and fix that apple tree isn't by going out and buying a whole bunch of apples and then going out to that apple tree and nailing those new fresh apples to the limbs of that apple tree that is, that has, that, that is dying. That, that's not what you would do. Instead, the way that you would fix the apples on a rotten apple tree is to fix the root. And fixing the root, then, would change the fruit. And the same is true when it comes to our speech. You can hear a message like this through Proverbs and leave here thinking willpower is going to do it. And all you're going to do is try really, really hard to change your speech. That's not going to be any different than putting lipstick on a pig. It's not going to help. And it's not going to lead to ultimate change. Which then leads then to truth number three, and we're going to end with this. The reality is, we can't change who we are. We can't change our hearts. But only, only Jesus can. That's the third truth here. And here's how. Like here, here's how Jesus can change your heart. For two groups here. First, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, like you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, then here's how Jesus can change who you are. Here's how Jesus can change your heart. Comes from first acknowledging your heart is evil and that your heart is wicked. Like you have to first acknowledge that. My heart to the core is wicked. Your heart at the core is evil. Like I know that's a blow to your ego. I know that's a blow to your pride. I know that's a blow to who you think you are. But the reality is that's who you are. Because that's why you talk the way you do. Your heart's evil. Your heart's wicked. And your mouth is evidence exhibit A to prove that. And because of that then, the Bible says that you deserve to die. Like, like literally, that's the judgment you deserve from God for your foolish, wicked behavior and heart and speech. You deserve the God of the universe to kill you. Like right now, in this life, and ultimately in the life to come by condemning you to death in judgment, in hell, forever. And it's important you feel that 
and recognize that and acknowledge that. And stay there for a while. But then here's the good news. The good news is that God loves you despite all that. And that he sent Jesus to come and live the righteous life that you could not live. And to die the death that you deserve for all the wicked words that you've ever spoken. And if you just trust and believe that he did that for you, and that Jesus' perfect life is your only hope for being counted as righteous by God, and that his substitutionary death is your one and only hope for being rescued from the judgment of God that you deserve for all the wicked words that you've spoken, if you do that by faith, trusting that he and he alone is all that you're relying upon, he and he alone is all that you're hoping in to be rescued and be counted righteous by God, then the Bible says that God will save you. God will count you as being perfectly, completely righteous. And you will be saved from the judgment of God, from the death you deserve for your sins. And the Bible also says that those who've been saved in that way, catch this, they've been born again. Meaning they've been given a new heart. They've become new creations they become new people who've been given a new heart with new affections and new desires and new longings. And with those, that new heart and new desires and new affections and new longings come what? Come new words and come a whole new way of talking. Like if you're here this morning, you're not, that can be yours right now this morning you place your faith and trust in Jesus and his finished work on the cross and look to him as your only hope to be counted as righteous by God and in his sight. That doesn't mean then that you're never going to struggle ever again with your heart or your words. Like the reality is you're still going to have a sin nature you have to wrestle with, but it does mean that you become a new person with a new heart. Second group though, if you're here this morning, you are a Christian. And some of this has resonated with you. You're like, I can identify the wicked, with the wicked in this passage. I think about this past week. My, in all sorts of different ways. Well, here's how Jesus can change your heart. Like if your self-absorbed, self-centered, proud heart causes you to speak angry, harsh words toward others, or causes you to slander others, causes you to complain, causes you to belittle others, then the only way to change your self-absorbed, self-centered, proud heart is first of all by confessing that and repenting of that to the Lord. Lord, this is my heart. It's self-absorbed. It's self-centered. It's proud. I love myself way too much. And see the ugliness of your heart. And how you're the God and the king of your heart. Like see that. And see how ugly and repulsive and offensive your self-absorbed, self-centered, proud heart is in the eyes of God. And how you're at competition and at war with him for who's going to be the God of your life. You want to reign as king and have God be subservient to you. 
That's what's going on in your heart. And feel that. See that. And, it, and just imagine how repulsive and offensive that is in the sight of the creator God of the universe and the one who's deserving to be God and Lord and King. And then remember the judgment you deserve for that. You deserve to die. You deserve wrath. You deserve condemnation. You deserve to be consigned to eternal conscious torment and hell forever because you think you're God and you don't want God to be, you want to be. That's what's going on in your heart. But don't stop there. Then remember how even though that's what's going on in your heart and even though that's what you deserve, remember how God showered you even in your self-absorbed, self-centered, proud state. He showered you with mercy and grace and love and kindness and forgiveness. Not because you cleaned up your act and all of a sudden started talking right, but because of Jesus. And then as you sit there just mesmerized, by the love and the grace and the mercy and the kindness that God has shown to you in Christ. And as you allow your heart to be overwhelmed and saturated by his love and mercy toward you, then guess what happens? Your heart begins to be softened and your heart begins to change and your heart begins to become just like God's heart that you're so mesmerized and overwhelmed by. And as your heart begins to change, guess what begins to change as well? Your words and your mouth and how you speak. Uh, th this right here is where the battle is fought when it comes to our speech and our words. It, it's not fought by willpower, ultimately, and just, just, just doing better, restraining your lips, being more encouraging, being nicer. That's not going to cut it. That's not where this battle for your lips and for your mouth is fought. It's fought, as Paul Tripp says, on the battleground of your heart. It's fought with the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. Changing your heart to be more conformed to his heart. And as your heart is more conformed to his heart, then your words will change as well. And your mouth will change as well. And so as you leave here this morning, yes, let's remember these contrasts. And let's let these contrasts expose the reality of our hearts this morning. But as they, as they expose the reality of our hearts this morning, let's not try and nail some apples to our, to our lips and change things that way. Let's leave here this morning preaching the gospel to ourselves, mesmerized by the grace of God, saturated by the love of God, and allowing our hearts to behold the grace of God toward us in Christ that will ultimately transform and conform our hearts more and more into his image, which will then transform how we speak to others and how we use
Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for our time this morning, for your goodness toward us in Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we have spent time this morning just thinking about our words and thinking about how, we've, how we speak, God, I pray that you would do heart surgery in our hearts and in our lives here this morning. Lord, let us not leave here just trying to do better, resolving to do better, um, just trying to change things from the outside in trying to just change the fruit without ever addressing the root. But Lord, let the fruit of our lips be warning, a warning sign and a, to the reality of, man, something's, something's off. Something's really a problem in my heart. And Lord, I pray that the reality of our hearts would cause us to fall on our face and fall on our knees before the gospel, before Christ, and to repent, to confess of the ugliness of our hearts, and to acknowledge that and to see and be aware just of how repulsive and offensive that is before you and what we deserve from you. But Lord, help us to preach the gospel and to remember the gospel and the hope of the gospel and the mercy of the gospel and the grace of the gospel. I pray that the reality of doing that day after day after day, saturating our lives, our minds, our hearts, and the grace and the mercy of God in Christ, that our hearts would be conformed and transformed more into your image, and that our speech would look radically different than it did even this morning when we walked in. Jesus, only you can change our hearts. Thank you for how you've done that in the gospel. But pray that you would continue to do that as we continue to saturate and soak ourselves in the gospel day after day after day. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.